0: Blue Wire.
1: Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, looking him. dark.
0: Welcome back here to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. I am your host, Ari Merov. Week two of the NFL season is in the books. There was a lot of action, but it was a week like never before. At least, never before have I seen what we just had over the weekend. The amount of massive injuries that we saw in week two. It was out of control. You've heard about it by now from Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, Corlin Sutton, Anthony Barr, Christian McCaffrey, Malik Hooker, Drew Locke, Solomon Thomas, and on and on, CJ Uzama, Tyra Taylor and pregame warmups. His chest is hurting, he's struggling to breathe, has to go to the hospital. It was a bizarre week, it was a very tough week all around the league. But teams and coaches will be forced to adjust on the fly. But for me, and I, I'm pretty sure it's for everyone, I've never seen a week that had this many injuries at once. Usually early in the year, we see a bunch of injuries in the preseason and in training camp, and then week one, week two, week three, and on and on. But to have this many happen in one week... I've never seen that before, but some quick takeaways from the stuff we saw on the field in week two. First of all, I really don't recall a team having as many miscues as the Cowboys had on Sunday and still winning. Four fumbles, three lost, two botched fake punts, and they still win after a watermelon, pooch, onside kick, whatever that was. Nobody wanted to pick up the ball. Cowboys recover. That's the type of win that teams build off of. Yeah, it was ugly, but, you know, Dak Prescott was impressive in the second half. And, again, it makes you wonder, you know, we've talked about this so much. The Cowboys, for some reason, never got a long-term deal done with Dak after his third year. They didn't get it done after his fourth year. His value is only going up. And when it's going to be time to talk money once again in the offseason, Dak is trending in the right direction to have almost all the leverage. Also, I talk about this team almost every week. I was hyping them up the entire offseason. The Arizona Cardinals, they are 2-0. Are you buying stock in this team by now? I mean, All offseason long, I said Arizona would make the playoffs. I said Kyler would win MVP. Through two games, they've been impressive, and they will only improve from now on. And get this, their next three games, Detroit, Carolina, and the Jets. Those three teams are a combined 0-6 on the year. Three very winnable games for Arizona. They could be looking at 5-0. Get on the Cardinals hype train if you are not on it yet. And then what about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Another team that I talked about a lot this offseason. I kept on saying that... If Ben is healthy, that's the biggest X factor, this is a dark horse Super Bowl team. And so far, they're 2-0. Ben threw for over 300 yards this past weekend. The receivers are young and talented. That ferocious defense had 7 sacks on Sunday against Denver. And they go up against the Texans offensive line this week in week 3 like I expected. This team will be a threat. They were 8-8 last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Ben is back. The offense will only get better. That defense is for real. We all know that already. But I really believe this is a team that will continue to get better as the season goes on and watch out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. More on this past week and looking ahead to week three with my guest for this week's episode, Matthew Collar of PurpleInsider.com. He was fantastic. It's always a blast talking with him. But first, before we go to that, a quick word from our sponsors... Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they are our corner stores, our coffee spots, our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by our names. They're always giving back and making a difference and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa everywhere you want to be official partner of the NFL. This week's episode is also brought to you by Indeed.com. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever before. Indeed.com is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility. Over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed.com each month, Indeed is going to get you that important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit. At Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now. It is Indeed.com slash BlueWire. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, so now here is my full discussion with the great Matthew Collar as we look back At all the action that happened in Week 2, it was jam-packed. We talked about almost all of it, and we also looked ahead to Week 3, which has a bunch of exciting matchups on the slate. So here it is, my full discussion with Matthew Collar. Alright, join me now here on the Football podcast. He covers the Minnesota Vikings, and he's the host of the Purple Insider podcast. Back here for a second time, it is Matthew Collar. Matt, welcome back. What's happening?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, You uh, picked a heck of a week to have me on. I do not think that we will be short on things to discuss from this week in the NFL. You are
0: 100% right. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Like, what happened over the weekend, I've never seen anything like that from all the years I've been, you know, following the NFL, covering the NFL. You know, I follow these things pretty closely. Let me start off with this. Let me ask you basically what I just said. From all the years that you have been covering the league, do you remember a week where we had this many high-profile injuries?
1: Yeah, um, I feel like every year that there are some right around this time at the very beginning of the season where we go, oh, no, not that guy. But to have so many of them happen all at once, it seemed like within the course of a couple of hours that uh, half of the league's stars were taken out. And then you even go back to – like Vaughn Miller being out Mm -hmm. and you have now Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton as well. So if you're a Denver fan, like what exactly did we do to the football gods here? But, you know, the Vikings are going through – a lot of the same thing with Anthony Barr going on IR and Daniel Hunter has not practiced since the very first day of training camp. And so it feels like a lot of teams are having to scramble here. And I, I wouldn't necessarily make the connection to not having preseason because teams were already reducing the amount that their mm-hmm. starters played in preseason. And we also, by the way, used to get starters hurt in preseason games all the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe there is something to it in terms of no offseason workouts and no mini and no OTAs, and then just going from zero to 60, that might play a role in it, or it could just be kind of a strange year. But yesterday was devastating for a lot of teams.
0: It for sure was. And I, I agree with you. I really don't think it's really the preseason. I feel like it's more of, you know, being in the whole quarantine, not in the facility, no OTAs, none of that, and then just showing up and getting ready for you know, ramping up to having games, that could be one of the main reasons as to why we saw all of this happen yesterday from Saquon and Bosa and you know McCaffrey and Locke and Garoppolo and on and on. There were so many. But I wanna start talking about the Minnesota Vikings because, you know, I thought when the season before the season started that this is a team that should win the NFC North. And then after watching two games so far, they've been outplayed in every phase they are zero and two for the first time under Mike Zimmer Anthony Barr as you mentioned now out for the year what has gone wrong here in your eyes
1: everything absolutely everything <laughs> you know I think that it really starts with and and this might sound sort of cliche as a place to begin but it starts with Kirk Cousins that we knew that the defense was not going to be the same without Daniil Hunter, even though you still have talented players like Eric Kendricks, like Harrison Smith and Yannick Ngakwe. There were a lot of guys who were playing, who are either playing for the very first time or guys who were on the bench for previous years with other versions of this team that were now being thrown into play almost every snap. So that we figured there would be some serious growing pains. We knew that Aaron Rodgers could light them up, but what we did not expect is Kirk Cousins to come out, and for all but the fourth quarter of the Green Bay game, which was long decided by the time he threw a couple of touchdowns, for all except that one quarter, he has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL through these first two weeks and yesterday has a 15.9 quarterback rating. And I think Vikings fans, you know, normally if someone plays bad as quarterback, they go, Oh, that looked like Christian Ponder. Oh, this was much worse than Christian Ponder. There was a game years ago that Josh Freeman was signed by the Vikings or they traded for him. And then they started him right away when he didn't know the offense and he played about as bad as he could have played on national TV. And that, yeah, that was better than what Kirk Cousins did yesterday. And so I think that, especially with an offense that's the same exact system and still has a lot of playmakers, they signed Delvin Cook to a big contract, Adam Thielen is a pro bowler, Kyle Rudolph is a pro bowler, Irv Smith Jr. has very big expectations for this year. To come out and play this poorly at the quarterback position, to take two safeties, to throw three interceptions yesterday, Uh, That has been the most shocking part of this start because we figured, hey, this could actually be kind of fun, right? If the Vikings offense is like it was last year and they're throwing down the field a lot and getting explosive plays from Delvin Cook, and then we'll get into some shootouts and we could have some exciting games. There was a game in 2018, uh, again, on national TV between the Vikings and Rams that I think ended 38 to 30. i was thinking maybe we'll have more of those this year. But all of a sudden, Cousins has played his worst football maybe since he became a starter just regularly in the NFL through these first two games. And if he does not turn that around quick, this is going to be a very, very long season for the Vikings.
0: Yeah, you know, the Vikings always had an identity. On offense, they would run the ball, they would control the time of possession, they would have a big play on a play action, and they would always convert in the red zone. On defense, they would always stop the run, they would rush the passer, and they were always excellent on third down. Somebody else brought this up to me recently, and I want to ask you this. If the Vikings did not win that postseason game last year against New Orleans, Do you think Zimmer and Spielman and Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook all get their extensions this offseason?
1: I don't know for sure that they do. Uh, I don't know for sure that they don't either, but the tension in the building last year going into that game was extremely high. That if you remember back in 2000, or in I'm sorry, in, in week 16 of 2019, they lost to the Packers in in very bad fashion. Another national TV game, by the yes, way. Yes. So everyone saw the Packers whoop Kirk Cousins and, and really lay a beat down on the Vikings. And after that game, there was a lot of pressure and a lot of tension and, and a lot of people wondering, is this going to be it for Mike Zimmer in Minnesota? Because there was always the sense of last year that this was the last shot with that group. We all knew the contract situations of a bunch of players like Everson Griffin, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, all those guys, we knew that a lot of them would not be coming back. And that was the, really the core of the team that had gone to the NFC Championship in 2017. So we were always viewing that season through, this might be your last shot to win with the 2017 group. And so if they had come up way short against New Orleans, if they had lost 40-17 to 17 or something, I don't think Mike Zimmer is the head coach and it's very possible if cousins had no showed in that game that he's not getting a contract extension and they would have just worked around the other cap things and maybe gone into more of a full rebuild. I I do think probably Delvin cook gets paid either way. um, But As far as Cousins and Zimmer, I'm not 100% convinced that they would have come back. And that's where the questions come up through even two weeks about their direction and some of their decisions this offseason, especially signing Cousins to the extension because what we know about Cousins is that he relies so much – or his performance is so reliant on what's around him. Do you have a good defense to get him the ball back? Do you have great playmakers? Do you have a good offensive line? And do you have the the right system and great play calling and all those things? And that's the case for a lot of quarterbacks, but you don't have to pay all quarterbacks the same amount as him. So now, in a sort of rebuilding type of year, you've locked yourself into the quarterback position to be very expensive over the next two years. Uh, I looked at it, and Kirk Cousins has higher cap hits the next two years than Patrick Mahomes. Yes. So – that, uh, that, I guess, leaves the door open to questioning, did, did you guys only make those decisions based on one playoff win? And if you did, is that really the process you should have used?
0: It's a very interesting point because, I, as I said, somebody brought it up to me, and I, and I really started to think about it because, really, if they didn't win that game, what would have happened? Because we know about all the history there of Minnesota not getting over the hump. Finally, they get that win, there is some momentum Obviously, they made some changes here this offseason by trading some players and moving on from some other players. But it felt like they were going to have, you know, they had their core players still there. They had a bunch of new draft picks coming in. I understand about the pandemic and everything. But still, starting this year 0-2 in the fashion that they did is very disappointing. And, you know, the schedule is not getting any easier, right? They have the 2-0 Titans this week. Then Deshaun Watts and the Texans, I know they're 0-2, but, you know, that's a dangerous team regardless. And the Seahawks after that in Seattle. So, you know, it's not getting easier and clearly they are one of the most disappointing teams so far this season. Who else would you put in that category as a disappointing team so far? I know there's like Atlanta, Philadelphia, Detroit, Houston even comes to mind. Who would you put in that category as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, just to follow up real quick on on the point about just how they've started and being, you know, as disappointing as they mm-hmm. are through these first two weeks, you know, if they had lost, by a field goal if they had lost by a touchdown if it had been close games maybe the defense struggles a little bit then I think you're saying hey well it's weird circumstances and they did change offensive coordinators so you know maybe they could turn this around and off they go um, as they have before I mean in 2018 they had some tough times they turned it around got in the playoff race didn't ultimately get into the playoffs but we have seen them kind of have these these bounce backs But to lose these games so decidedly, these are losses you would have expected from the Cincinnati Bengals this year and not the Minnesota Vikings. Um, And also just – I'm sorry to go on about this, but the Mm -hmm. two teams that killed them both left the door open. Phillip Rivers threw an interception at the goal line. I believe the Packers late in the second quarter had all of eight points. I mean, it wasn't as if they had no chance. So, anyway – Uh, I would say that the Mm -hmm. Detroit Lions are probably the other team that's most disappointing. I know if DeAndre Swift just gets the ball in his mitts and walks backward into the end zone, they're they're one and one, and maybe it doesn't look so bad. Mm -hmm. But I I won't ever fully believe the Lions are going to win anything until they're actually in the playoffs and in victory formation winning a, a playoff game. But you looked at that roster, you looked at the things that they did on defense and added quite a bit of talent and thought, this is a talented roster that should be a competitive team. And to be 0-2 at this point and now kind of looking at the same sort of stuff that the Vikings are, I, I think that that's probably on the disappointing side. Um, aside from that, I mean, I'm disappointed in the Falcons' special teams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not knowing the rules. Like, what? Uh, so that I, was one of the more bizarre plays. But some of the other teams, I, I'm not stunned that the Texans at the, at the start of their season with their schedule have gotten beaten up. Um, certainly not surprised by the Jets or Dolphins, the other, the other teams that are considered disappointing at that moment. And, and, you know, maybe Philadelphia, but I kind of felt like this could happen to Philadelphia. I don't know about you, but they exactly are looking in the mirror with the Vikings, where everything they've done since 2017 has been sort of to desperately stay relevant and not acknowledge that they just rolled the dice perfectly in 2017 and it wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to be able to run it back.
0: It's interesting that you say that because we had Brian McFadden on here on the podcast last week and he said from all the teams that started off in week one with the loss, the team that should be most panicked is Philadelphia because he doesn't like what they have going on there. He believes they should have broken that team up in 2018 or 2019 and kind of hit the reset button. But you're looking at a situation where, you know, I I don't know. I've always looked at Carson Wentz like he's a franchise quarterback. He's when healthy and has the correct pieces around him, has the potential to be a top-five quarterback. My issue for the start of this year is because three out of his five offensive line starters have been injured, and he just hasn't had the correct protection in front of him, so he hasn't had a chance to do anything. But otherwise, I actually like Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, I think that Carson Wentz is the same type of franchise quarterback as – Kirk Cousins is maybe a couple of years ago when he had his big year, people would have put him way ahead of Cousins. But then you look at what Cousins did last year. When things come together, your schedule is a big part of it. Your weapons are a big part of it. Your health, your offensive line, all those things. There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL who are very capable of having great seasons if all those things click. We saw it from Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Now things are going to be a lot tougher for the 49ers with all of their injuries. There's only a handful of quarterbacks who can overcome all that and still make the playoffs and still be highly competitive. And I'm not sure that Carson Wentz is that guy. I know they made the playoffs last year, but just barely at nine and seven. And then, you know, he, he gets hurt and gets knocked out. Um, of the playoffs but still not really a contending team in any way last year so he can still have his days and he could still get you wins and he sets a, a higher floor than say if you have I don't know someone awful Mitch Trubisky if Chicago was a horrible roster they're going two and 14 with Mitch Trubisky that doesn't happen with Kirk Cousins it might This year, But I still don't think it does. It doesn't happen with Cousins. It doesn't happen with Wentz. But I also don't see them as guys who can take a mediocre team and drag them to being a legitimate contender. They're not the guys who overcome when their team doesn't play well. I think Patrick Mahomes yesterday, his team did not play well at all. And he makes miraculous plays and they win the game. That's not a win that Carson Wentz or Kirk Cousins gets.
0: Right, and I would agree with that. And the thing about the Eagles, while I'm not panicking yet, it's just because they're in the NFC East. And in reality, if <laughs> yes. the Atlanta, you know, if Atlanta actually won that game like they were supposed to, this is a division that has Washington one and one, and the other three teams at zero and two. So we, we we would be looking at a situation. Like last year, where nobody really wanted to win that division until week 16. So I'm not panicking yet if I'm an Eagles fan, but the way they've started, especially that week one loss, was um, obviously very, very upsetting and disappointing. What about on the flip side? Which team has surprised you the most so far after two weeks?
1: Hmm. In a good way, you mean? Yeah. Well, I think I have to say Jacksonville here for how they played yesterday against the Tennessee Titans. And I was thinking about this, talking about it a little bit on my own podcast after the game yesterday, that if you're a Vikings fan, you're strangely jealous of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because even though they've had talented players just running and screaming away from their organization, they also got a bunch of draft picks who are exciting. C.J. Henderson, LaVisca Chenault, uh, K. Chase on. And they have a quarterback who's kind of an unknown that is fun to watch. And you're going to be able to follow that along. And he's also – not under contract for very much money and if you were going to decide like what teams do you want to trade rosters with you would do it for those uh, ones rather than having a franchise quarterback and feeling like the rest of the roster isn't good enough you'd rather have a fun team that you could kind of rebuild around so I, I think I'd pick the Jaguars I don't know where it's going from here uh, it might go completely in the tank and these might be the only games where they're competitive, but I feel like that's not going to be the case and they're going to be kind of a more fun team than expected. I will say that I saw Arizona coming as many people. Yes. Did. I'm yes. not, I'm not taking any credit for you draft a quarterback number one and he's that exciting in his first year. He's probably going to be good, but I will say the Los Angeles Rams uh, having a plus 21 point differential through their first two games just taking care of business against Philadelphia and then beating Dallas the way they did. I know it is the NFC East, but the Rams look like they're competitive, and I would not be shocked with their coach and some of the talented players they have if they stay that way. I did not expect them to be that competitive. I thought they would continue to slip from where they were last year, but I've been impressed with them the first two weeks. For sure. And I want to go
0: back to Jackson for one second because, you know, I don't really make that many predictions. I'm not a predictions person. But when we did our AFC preview here with Jordan Schultz, one of the things that we talked about with the Jaguars, and we both agreed on it, was that this team is not going to suck the way everyone said they will. And the reason we really said that is because, first of all, Gardner Minshew showed that he could play last year. And then we kind of felt like there's a bunch of good young pieces on this team from Josh Allen, Miles Jack, Chase on Henderson, DJ Shark, right? These guys, Tyler Eifer, who caught a touchdown, you know, maybe he could have a bounce back here there in Jacksonville. We kind of feel like this is a team that, you know, they're obviously not going to make the playoffs or something like that, but they could win four or five and then make it annoying for teams to win just like they did yesterday in Tennessee. And I feel like, you know, similar to what the Dolphins did last year, to the Patriots and in those games where they were tough and gritty, they're clearly playing for Doug Marone and there is something going on over there. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a team that does win four, five, six games, even with Gardner Minshew. Is that is that crazy to say?
1: No, not at all. But I think that the problem is that Gardner Minshew looks like a pretty decent quarterback. Is he as good or talented as Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Probably not. Probably not. And if so, if you're a Jaguars fan, you're you might be saying, can we lose a lot of 33-30 to 30 games and make this fun and exciting and really like the way that the young players are playing but also don't win too much because I feel like the Jets and the Giants especially are just running away from the field in terms of going for Trevor Lawrence. And even though they both have young quarterbacks, and they are dumb enough as franchises not to draft those quarterbacks and trade out because they still believe in Sam Darnold. Uh, but I, I think that those are the worst two teams in the NFL, and it might not even be that close. Um, the way that Joe Burrow played, I think the Bengals will win a handful of games. Jacksonville will probably win a handful of games. The other team, since you mentioned the other Josh Allen, the pass rusher, as opposed to the quarterback, I don't know if I want to include Buffalo and in their 2 0 start. Josh Allen has looked good, but they played the. Jets and the Dolphins and I just right. I'm not sure how much credit we always play this game early in the year wow this team's 2-0 and but and I think the Jets are as bad of an NFL team as we've seen in a long time I think last year's Bengals blow out the New York Jets of this year that's how bad they look so I'm not super excited about that just yet but you can tell uh, that Stefan Diggs makes quarterbacks better I think we can absolutely guarantee that
0: Yep, and the Bills this week, they have the Los Angeles Rams coming into their building. You know, one of the things that people keep on saying about the Bills is they've played the Jets and the Dolphins up until now. Now they have to face the LA Rams, the 2-0 Rams. I know there are people out there who still don't think Josh Allen is a real franchise quarterback. They don't believe in him. I'm a Josh Allen believer. I've always been a Josh Allen believer. I like the coaching staff he has around him. I like the way he plays. But this week against the Rams, he'll have a chance to prove everyone wrong. I want to talk about this NFC West division because you know we've talked about it a little bit but you know coming into this year we all talked about how this is the most stacked division and everyone was right this division is seven and one combined so far this year i want to talk about the arizona cardinals first because this is a team entering this year and it sounds like you were high on them also i have them making the playoffs i have kyler winning MVP I'm all in on the Arizona Cardinals after watching them play for two weeks what do you think of them are you moving them even higher up on your rankings
1: well so uh, I did on my podcast an all teams draft to figure out if the Vikings were going to be uh, a top 10 team this year which uh, I did not have the Vikings in the top 10 and feel good that I didn't put them there after two weeks Um, but I did have the Cardinals in the top 10 for this year because Mm -hmm. they just to me checked off a lot of the boxes where we've seen in recent years quarterbacks that are good and go into season two um, with their teams building around them on the you know quarterback contract that everybody talks about the rookie contract and their teams are able to build they get in a good system like it seems cliff kingsbury has brought there and then all of a sudden it's just pedal to the metal and murray i went back this offseason and watched a handful of games Just because I didn't – I mean, how many times were they on national TV? I just didn't see them. And so, as I watched them, yeah, there were mistakes that were made by a rookie quarterback, but there are very few people who make a lot of the throws that he makes. And then his acceleration, I don't – aside from Michael Vick, and this even includes Russell Wilson, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback with this level of acceleration. I don't know. I I mean, Lamar Jackson and and him would have to – I guess run a shuttle right in front of me to decide and Michael Vick in his prime. But I mean, when those are your comparisons in terms of a guy takes off and he's instantly 10 yards down the field, that is rare air ever. And for him to have a major league baseball caliber arm and to seem to have an understanding of how this all works from defenses and, and reads and getting across the field on throws and and things like that. that I mean, I, I just checked off all the boxes with him and I figured even if there's some shortcomings add Adding DeAndre Hopkins would have such a profound impact that they would be a serious contender. I don't know if for the Super Bowl, no. but maybe. I mean, maybe that, maybe that's going way too far this this soon because it's two and zero. But yes. but I mean, when you're looking at the flaws of some of these other teams, Dallas clearly a flawed team. Uh, I think we'll see some of the Packers' flaws eventually. I'm not completely convinced that the Tampa Bay Bucks and Brady are just going to blow everybody out. So when you look at it that way. Uh, Seattle's probably a a little bit better than everybody else at this point. But when you look at it that way, those three teams in the NFC West are really intriguing. And I wouldn't be totally shocked if Arizona's right there neck and neck with Seattle at the end.
0: Yeah. And I would agree with that. Because listen, I mean, I've said this on the podcast already three, four, maybe even five times already. Last year, Cliff Kingsbury said this during this offseason, he did an interview, and he said, the biggest mistake I made last year as a rookie head coach was that I didn't unleash my offense in the preseason. And because of that, they started off slow last year. And they, obviously, they came back to tie the game against Detroit. But as the season went on, they started to click and click and click. And then I felt like you know going into year two with Kyler Murray and then adding DeAndre Hopkins as well, it's an offense that will finally start to flourish and actually do really well and we're starting to see that already this year. I know it wasn't pretty the first couple of games you know they got it done. Kyler kept on fighting, but besides for the offense there's this, this defense also has a bunch of great pieces with Chandler Jones who's a sack master who no one really talks about um, you know Puda Baker, Patrick Peterson, um, Simmons, we haven't seen much of him yet, but you know adding Devon Kennard, adding Jordan Phillips, um, Byron Murphy in the secondary it's a team that has a bunch of great pieces we were talking about continuity all offseason it's a staff that is going into year two together I feel like Arizona is a team that will just be a threat all year long finally people are picking up on them but I feel like the hype it wasn't there as much as I thought it would be I felt like Detroit got more hype than Arizona this <laughs> offseason
1: yeah and there was a case for it it just every time we talked about Detroit and the NFC North leading into the season it was always You know, they've got all the pieces, but they also have probably the worst coach in the NFL. And if they continue to lose like this, I think we'll see somebody replace Matt Patricia pretty soon. But in Arizona's case, this tells you how hard it is to predict who can coach and who can't coach because Cliff Kingsbury could not win with Patrick Mahomes in college, right? (laughs) I mean, he just – it was remarkable. I mean, the guy didn't win a thing. And the Arizona Cardinals took the risk on him, and they took the risk by moving along from Josh Rosen and bringing in Kyler Murray. And you're going to take some criticism when you draft a quarterback and then boot him out after a year and draft another quarterback – and if you're going to do it, it's got to work. And at least through a couple of weeks, it looks like it's going to work. But it's not just, hey, they're 2-0. I think, like you said, they can be better than they were in these first two weeks, especially if Isaiah Simmons starts to you know make that transition into what is a tough position to go from college to the NFL, uh, that, that they can continue to be great. My only question is just how this plays out in the NFC West, because – Clearly Seattle has put some monsters around Russell Wilson and they're throwing more often as the uh, NBC broadcast made a lot of, and they threw it a bad time of course, because it's Seattle. But uh, (laughs) that's the one holdup for me is does Arizona, when they have to face Seattle and they have to face Los Angeles, can they beat those teams and prove that they're a real contender or do they end up being a, Hey, this team's interesting for the future.
0: It's interesting. And look, their next three games, Detroit, Carolina, and the Jets. Those
1: oh, are yeah. three, win-
0: three winnable yep. games. That could be yep. 5-0. and And then they get Dallas and Seattle. Go into momentum with those games. This is a team that I'm telling everyone, watch out for them. They could be really legitimate this year. Let's talk about that Seahawks team. Obviously, last night's game, Sunday night, was amazing. You know, there's this whole movement going on with let Russ cook. It's been working. It's been unreal after two games. Nine touchdown passes, only 11 incompletions on the season. You know, this entire offseason, we kept on hearing about the Saints, the 49ers, and the Bucks. If Russell Wilson is doing this, the Seahawks are right there, right?
1: Oh, yeah, there's no question. I mean, to right now, I would put the Seattle Seahawks and the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. And, of course, it is very early, but we've – we know this isn't a fluke with Russell Wilson. And we also know that over the last few years, not only has he dealt with an impressive group of weapons, I've always liked Tyler Lockett and thought he was the guy that doesn't get enough national TV attention and, and so forth. But the guys around Tyler Lockett post Doug Baldwin, just not been all that impressive. His offensive line for years was brutal and his offensive coordinator probably cost him some wins by, focusing much more on the run game. And I I think that part of this is that Pete Carroll was not as confident in his defenses and wanted to protect the ball and not have his defense on the field too often. I mean, last year, their secondary was just not all that good after losing Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and everybody else, Cam Chancellor, everyone else who is there for the Legion of Boom. So now that they have Jamal Adams and pairing him with Bobby Wagner, you have two of the most dynamic players in the NFL on defense, and you can do so many more things and have confidence that if you go three and out with a couple of passes, that your defense is going to get a stop and get you right back on the field where maybe in the past, that's why they decided to run so much. So now that we see the group of weapons built up, the defense stronger, I mean, they have everything written on them as this is the type of team that competes for a Super Bowl. And I think there were some people who looked at the Jamal Adams trade and said, whoa, you gave up what for a safety, but being here in Minnesota and watching Harrison Smith operate, my thought was, if you get a guy who does for them, what Harrison Smith has done for the Vikings, there is immense, immense value to your defense. And I think we've seen that through the first couple of weeks. Yeah, Pete's
0: been all over the place. I know, I mean, I, I'm here from New York, so I see Jets fans each time Jamal Adams gets beat on the play. <laughs> yes. They go crazy as if, yeah, we won the trade. I'm like, this guy is all over the place. He's making plays. Of course, here and there, maybe something will happen. But so far, so good of Jamal Adams. There, Seattle, they're 2-0. and They're rolling. And if, you know, let Russ Cook keeps on going, this team, of course, We're talking about the NFC West. I mean, there are just so many good teams. The final team that we haven't talked about is San Francisco. We started this episode talking about all the injuries, and this team has just been pummeled by injuries. How concerned are you with all the 49ers injuries? Because it's really getting out of control.
1: Uh, yeah. And I saw there was some issue with their plane or something leaving New York. Did yes. I see that correctly? So I mean, my it gosh,
0: was, it was leaving San Francisco to go to New York oh, they had okay. like a six hour delay before getting there for the jets game. So they got here in
1: New Jersey at 4.00 AM on Saturday and still beat the heck out of the jets boy. Yes. Uh, who would have ever seen it coming with Adam Gase other than everyone in his first <laughs> press conference. Uh, but put that aside. Uh, I mean, Here's the thing. You go back and look through teams trying to make the Super Bowl a couple times in a row. It does not happen very often. You look at teams even that make the championship games. If you don't have Tom Brady or you don't have Patrick Mahomes – It's probably not going to happen in back-to-back years. I think about what the Vikings have gone through, what Philadelphia has gone through, and even the Atlanta Falcons. 2016, Matt Ryan is the MVP, and their team is stacked from top to bottom. I mean, the defense was not great, but it had a lot of talent that they could build on, and everyone would have thought, oh, man, this Atlanta team is going to be a force to reckon with For the entire second half of Matt Ryan's prime, and instead they've been mostly irrelevant. I mean, they made the playoffs in 2017, lost to Philly, and since then nothing. And uh, you know, I think that San Francisco probably follows along the same type of path. And this is where, when you lose the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter, and you give up that long pass with you know somebody right in Mahomes' face, and he finds Tyreek Hill wide open, all that like. It will already haunt you because it's the Super Bowl, but it's usually if you blow, say, a 28-3 to lead, for example. If you don't get it done when you get the chance and you're ahead in the game and you don't finish off Brady, you don't finish off Mahomes, you're going to regret it for years and years and years and years because you probably won't get another shot. And this has been sort of the tale of the NFC for years. I mean, Seattle went back-to-back, but I mean, who else has gone back-to-back I mean, in a really, really long time since what, like the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, you just don't see it very often at all.
0: It doesn't happen very often. And this is the thing with the 4 nine. because I still had them winning the West this offseason. But what I told myself and what I said on this podcast was that this is a team that got the one-seed last year in the final game, making a stop at the one-yard line. If you think about it, they could have been the five-seed if they, if they didn't hold on against Pittsburgh early, earlier in the year, if they didn't beat New Orleans in that shootout, if they didn't beat the Rams in that game on Saturday night. They had a couple of games that went their way. And if they didn't hold down, Hold on, they would have been a five seed and going on the road in the wild card round. So, considering all of that, considering all the injuries, I'm really concerned because let's just run down through what they have going on right now. Richard Sherman's on IR. They have four or five receivers on IR or POP. Their starting center, Richburg, is on POP. Jimmy G is hurt. Their top two running backs are hurt. George Kittle is hurt. Nick Bosa tore his ACL. Solomon Thomas most likely tore his ACL. D Ford is hurt. And then we mentioned the plane and the MRI machine getting hurt as well. So like, everything is wrong over there. It's, it's, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> and but that's how it goes. I mean, I feel the same way with the Vikings is like, this is what happens, especially when you build around defense. A lot of times you end up with just sometimes things go wrong and defense can be so fragile where if you lose one player, then all of a sudden things can start to fall apart. And even though they got to win in New York, it's going to be really, really hard without, especially without Bosa and without Sherman for them to try to repeat the results of last year. And this is why a lot of times we have a tough time as fans and media saying, you know what? It might just be that you roll the dice a bunch of times. Sometimes it comes up your way and sometimes it doesn't. And I feel that way about the Vikings last year where they had a pretty easy schedule and they had the best health in the entire NFL, and they go 10-6. and But that wasn't really that strong of a team. And so you ran back some of it this year. You changed some pieces, but you got worse in a lot of areas. And maybe we should have been saying, you know, last year they had a lot of things go for them, and we should have seen this coming. I would say the same thing for the 49ers, where they had so many things go right for them that it's just hard in the NFL to have those things go right for you year after year.
0: It's it's totally true. And that's really what makes New England all those years so amazing, where they keep on, you know, making the playoffs, making the Super Bowl, and then running it back the very next year. Let's talk about those Patriots right now. You know, we talked about Seattle, how they won last night over New England. Cam Newton has looked pretty good so far after two games. Do you think his play is sustainable moving forward? I mean, after two games, obviously it's been amazing. But I told myself after watching him in week one against Miami, do the same thing against Seattle, then I'm
1: all in. He was pretty good last night. I mean, the whole thing is always if he stays healthy. Because even before he hurt his shoulder in Carolina, he was playing at a tremendously high level, especially throwing the ball well. And that was what was... Really, really impressive against Seattle is just how well he's throwing the ball down the field, you know, throwing a 40-yard pass to Julian Edelman, having balls travel uh, into tight spaces down the field. That's the 2015 version of Cam Newton that we saw who could really dominate. And unfortunate for him that he didn't get in the end zone on the last play. That would have been one hell of a oh. comeback by Cam Newton and, and a way to, to really show all the teams that didn't sign him. And, and that's the thing that I'm sure we'll focus on a lot through the off season or through this season is the off season where you allowed Bill Belichick to pick up a Pro Bowl quarterback who had taken a team to a Super Bowl and won an MVP for free for nothing I mean there are houses near me that cost more than Cam Newton does for the uh, new England patriots and it 's kind of wild that uh You know, there were so many other teams that would have made a good case for picking up Cam Newton, specifically the Chicago Bears, and these teams just let him sit and let him sit and let him sit. I mean, how about even the Los Angeles Chargers? I mean, you have to like some things from Justin Herbert, but that team has talent on their roster, and they go with Tyrod Taylor as opposed to Cam Newton, where a lot of people were thinking he was going to go. I mean, they're a legitimate contender, I think, in the AFC West if they have this version of Cam Newton playing out for the Los Angeles Chargers. So there were a lot of teams that have to be looking at themselves and going, you know, maybe we should have considered that.
0: Yep, and I was pushing for Cam to go to the – or the Chargers to go after Cam the entire offseason. One, because he would have looked amazing in that uniform. Yes. And then secondly, because as you said, that team is loaded with a bunch of great players. And, you know, we saw Herbert on Sunday. He looked pretty good, especially for someone who was coming in, getting word that he's starting, what was it, 10 minutes before the game. What did you think of Justin Herbert in that game? You know, obviously he looked great, but, you know, Anthony comes out after the game and says, Tyrod's our guy if he's healthy. That was kind of shocking to me.
1: Yeah, I I don't understand that at all. I mean, Tyrod is playing the role of Ryan Fitzpatrick now, where he goes and he's the veteran guy who is – classy and works hard and is just an A-plus character guy. Uh, I covered Tyron a little bit in, when I worked in Buffalo, and he's just exactly what you want from a professional. And his teammates love him, and they want to play for him and all those things. So I have a lot of respect for Tyron Taylor. That said, there's no reason to play Tyron Taylor in this situation, except that Anthony Lynn believes his team is a legitimate contender. And all of us can look from the outside and say, oh, come on, Anthony, you know, did you see Patrick Mahomes and what happened there? But if you're him, you look at the Raiders, you look at the Broncos, you look at the other mediocre teams that are fighting for seven playoff spots and you go, hey, we can make the playoffs here. If we play a rookie quarterback and he has a lot of rookie moments and we go five and 11, then I'm going to lose my job maybe. And you know, and I know that a lot of people like Anthony Lynn, and it seems that their ownership does. But this is the NFL; nobody is above getting canned if they go five and eleven. So I, I see it from his perspective that you know the way that their defense is playing and the way that they slow down Mahomes, you might say, "Hey, we can game manage with Tyrod, and we can play defense, and we can win eight games and make the playoffs because that's the goal." And then next year, turn it over to Herbert. There, there might not be a, a big reason to panic and throw in Herbert right now. I guess I'm trying to say, I agree with you, throw in Herbert. But like, if you're thinking of it from the perspective that coaches always aim to make the playoffs and then you see what happens, I get it.
0: Right. I mean, I just, after seeing what Herbert did yesterday and, you know, we know what Tyrod is. He's a game manager. He doesn't turn the ball over much, but... For seeing what Herbert did in that game, just slinging it around, moving around, making plays. I know he had one bad interception over the middle, but besides for that, I mean, he was. He looked pretty good, especially for a player, as we said, who got word that he's starting literally right before the coin toss or right after the coin toss, whatever it was. It was really impressive. Word right now is that Tyrod Taylor is week to week with that injury, with the chest injury. So we'll see what happens there. The Chargers on the season are right now one and one. I want to go back to the NFC North because you mentioned Cam Newton about the Bears. He should have gone there. The Bears are 2-0 right now. And you know, they could easily be 0-2. But for Mitchell Trubisky to have the team at 2-0, and it has to be a massive confidence booster. How confident are you that the Bears could actually keep this up? Because for me, I feel like I got to see more.
1: Hmm, Let's see. Let's pull up their schedule, and then I'll tell you how confident I am. Because that's what it depends on for them. Beating the Lions when the Lions should have won and beating the Giants are not super impressive. They've got – Atlanta, Indy, Tampa, Carolina, L.A., New Orleans coming up. I could see a lot of of L's there, I think. Um, I'm not not very confident at all. I mean, I just think when you get to a certain point with quarterbacks – that that's kind of it and we know exactly who they are it's not that Mitch Trubisky has never played okay before ever but that's not the goal in the NFL is to have a quarterback who can play okay sometimes it's the same with Tyrod Taylor I covered games that Tyrod Taylor played amazing when he was with the Buffalo Bills he was great but that was only about eight times a year that he would be good to great. And the same thing goes for Trubisky, if not even less. So I wouldn't even be super stunned if Trubisky struggles and they go from 2-0 and to 3-5 and or something like that in an eye blink, and all of a sudden we're seeing Nick Foles start. That's how little I believe in Mitch Trubisky at the moment and how little I believe in these results. Like you said, I mean, they could have lost to New York, and New York might be the second worst team in the NFL to the other New York. So uh, yeah, I I have, I have very little confidence in them. The only thing is though, if Detroit is bad and Minnesota is bad, I mean, you might get the second spot in the NFC North at seven and nine or eight and eight, and you might be in that playoff race. Um, So, you know, that, that is an interesting situation to follow because they have a very talented roster just with a quarterback that can't play. And then you never know, about Nick Foles, if he ends up in the game for the final four games of the season or something, could he go 4-0 and and get crazy hot and just have yes. – like he's shown it before that he absolutely can. So, to me, even though I don't believe in them, they are one of the most interesting teams to watch as we go forward. Right. I mean, I don't
0: really think it's crazy to say. If the Bears would have lost those first two games, I don't think it's crazy to say that Nick Foles will be starting this week.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. And the funny thing is that if Swift catches the ball and if Daniel Jones finishes a drive, it has nothing to do with Trubisky, and yet they could still be talking about playing Nick Foles. And that's how funny NFL analysis can be, that you're an eye blink away from – losing both of those games. And the narrative is, Hey, look at that Trubisky off to a great start. (laughs) Like, is he really though? Um, Probably, probably not. Uh, Let's see. I had the, uh, I had the PFF grades uh, out of curiosity up here and uh, I I haven't looked at at where he is. So I'm sorry. I'm doing this live. Well, they've actually graded him okay through the first couple of games. So, but still under seven yards per pass attempt under 60% completion percentage. Mitch Trubisky things I, I don't think it's going to be good enough long term
0: yeah I mean again as you said it's one tomorrow as the season goes on but what you mentioned there in the end if it does end up going to Nick Foles near the end of the year and the Bears need a couple of wins to get it done we've seen it happen before and as someone from New York and as someone who knows a lot of Giants fans. I've heard about and I've seen what Nick Foles can do and (laughs) we've heard about it all the time. And if it happens again, basically for a third time, I mean, it's, it, it would be just unreal. So maybe he's
1: just a closer. Maybe he's just yeah. the, like a reliever that Mariana you bring Rivera in or something. throws a hundred. Right. Throws a hundred. Yeah. That's all he could do is play the four games at the end of the season. Well, I know it as well as, uh, as you from being there in Philadelphia in 2017, when he had one of the best games anyone has ever had in the NFC championship against the yes. Vikings. So if, yeah, I mean, if you're the other teams in the NFC North chasing, uh, what you really hate to see about it is just that they have that lead on you now. Right, And it's- so you know that the Bears can grind out some ugly games, and they're already up two games on you. So they've really got to fall apart to lose that. It's, it's amazing how two games to start the season out of 16 can really feel like the season is over or super bowl. Right. And and a lot of times though, the, the first couple of games do point us in the direction of where things are going
0: for sure. And we have to mention this. I mean, pace and Aggie, I mean, probably more paced he's probably on the hot seat this year so there's the, they gotta go out there and win and so far they've done that I know it's been ugly but they've gotten the job done and we'll see how the season goes on they have two quarter two quarterbacks on their roster you know the saying how it goes if you have two you really have none but so far it's worked out we'll see how the season goes I want to look ahead over here to some week three games and I picked that three in particular and I want to start actually with the Sunday night game Because, you know, we talked about the Bears, talked about the Lions. We talked about the Vikings. We didn't talk about the Packers. They have the Saints next Sunday night. 2-0 start. They demolished Minnesota in week one. They came back to beat Detroit in week two. Aaron Rodgers has been fantastic. After all the offseason noise and then not drafting a receiver and taking Jordan Love, do you think this type of play will hold up for the entire year? Because so many people were starting to write him off.
1: Yeah, I don't think that they even have to be great for the entire year to win their division the way that the other teams are looking in the NFC North. That's probably one place I'd start. What was really interesting to me in these first two games is we thought that Matt LaFleur was going to put Aaron Rodgers under center and run a lot of the play action, Kubiak, uh, you know, Shanahan type of stuff. But a lot of the plays that were big plays for them in the first two weeks were spreading it out. And they threw to Aaron Jones quite a, for quite a few big plays in week two, in week one, you know, guys like uh, Baldus Scantling made plays. And, and obviously Adams was uh, huge for them. And so they've actually found ways to get guys in space and make plays down the field, which is something that Rogers has been missing really since uh, Jordy Nelson was let go by the Packers and, and him finding this comfort with running some of that shotgun and spread stuff is something that I didn't quite expect it, felt much more like Matt LaFleur was going to kind of butt heads with Rodgers and try to put his foot down. You're running my style of offense. And instead, it seems like they found a really happy medium there. And for them this last week to get down in the game to Detroit and then just sort of laugh and blow by them with their offense, yeah, that should be a scary proposition for the rest of the NFL. And I will say that if when we're analyzing – our off-season takes through two weeks and how they went. There's uh, some that I have that are not so good, including thinking the Vikings could go 10-6. and But when it came to Green Bay, I always thought that the talk of the draft and how it would impact this year was overstated. Because take the Vikings, for example. The Vikings had a great draft by all measures. They pick a corner. They pick Justin Jefferson. They get a lineman. And they say, okay, well, these guys are going to fill these positions. But there was no off season. There was no preseason, and even historically, it's tough for rookies to step in and make a difference. So really, with Green Bay, your 13 and 3 team, they brought almost all of it back. That defense is all, all completely back. Everybody's in the system for another year. I think it's a significant advantage to have that continuity that they have, and they still have all the bones of a team that was very good. I know some people said, "Okay, they'll regress," and I agree that I don't think they're going 13 and 3 again, but if Rodgers is more comfortable, if his weapons are more comfortable, the offensive line is still decent, then, yeah, you're looking at a much stronger team than a lot of the other teams in the NFC. I love this matchup with them and the Saints. I would probably pick the Saints, but if we're after two weeks putting Green Bay right up there in the Super Bowl conversation because of how good Rodgers has been, I'm, I'm with that because this is somebody who's proven over a very long period of time, even when he has down years, he's still a top 10 quarterback.
0: For sure, and let's let's talk about that Saints team you that know, they're going to face here next Sunday night. Full disclosure: we're, we're taping this here on Monday afternoon before the Saints play their Monday night game in Las Vegas. But you know, you obviously got to see the Saints last year; they get eliminated by Minnesota. One of the things that people kept on talking about with the Saints team is Drew Brees and his arm strength as the season goes on. And you know, I don't really know how much of a concern that is, but. Is that something that you're like thinking about with the Saints team as the season goes on? Because, you know, as I said, this entire offseason, we kept on talking about the Saints, the Bucs and the 49ers. The thing about the Saints to me was that this roster is stacked, but I know they'll do well as the season starts. But what's going to happen as the season goes on? Is that a concern for you?
1: Yeah, I think it is. And it's also about Michael Thomas's health, because if Michael Thomas spends the whole season fighting injuries and isn't his usual self, I mean, what is Drew Brees with that? Because I think Sean Payton has done an amazing job of setting up Drew Brees to do exactly what he can still do, which is get rid of the ball really quickly and accurately. And Michael Thomas is the perfect wide receiver for that. Now, do they have other wide receiving options, you know, even, you know, Jared Cook is good, but do they have other receiving options who can do the same thing or replicate that if he's banged up, if he's slowed down, if he's not as effective, the Emmanuel Sanders deal, uh, getting him there is huge for them, I think. But if Thomas isn't himself, I'm not sure I trust this version of Breeze, the uh, older version of Breeze where he still had the arm strength, maybe, but we're in a situation where You get into that red zone of the 40s with these quarterbacks, and everybody has the potential to turn into 2015 Peyton Manning. And I know he won, but he played pretty bad that season. And I think there's always that cliff that they're teetering over. So I think that from top to bottom, when healthy, when everything's going their way, when Breeze is playing great and and looks like the old Breeze, New Orleans should be the favorite for the Super Bowl. I also feel like we've said that a couple of years in a row about New Orleans, and they can't quite seem to get there because eventually some of the some of the breeze age shows a little bit, and that was the case in the Superdome last year against the Vikings. So early season breeze right now, I would still expect them to be very good and to beat Green Bay and go forward from there. But long term, I'm not sure I'm picking them for the Super Bowl.
0: Interesting. So Nick Underhill does a great job covering the Saints, was on here two weeks ago, and he kind of made it clear this is their, you know, Super Bowl or bust year. They've basically put all their resources into this year. They're going all out to try to win, and then you got the Michael Thomas injury already. It looks like, obviously, he's not going to play tonight, Monday night, but I am curious to see how they handle that situation. Will they let him just, you know, heal up, get back to 100%, or, as we all know, Michael Thomas, he's a competitor. They did not put him on IR, so they think he'll be back in under three weeks. That's what it kind of signals. So I'm curious to see what they do there with him. But this is a team that is very, very stacked, top to bottom. Packers Saints next Sunday night. That is a fantastic matchup. The other game I want to talk about, we have two more to talk about here. Let's go back to the early games, Texans and Steelers. I wasn't so high in the Texans before the season, but I didn't want to rule them out because Watson is there. If they fall to 0-3, you kind of get this feeling they're messed over. But in 2018, they started 0-3 and they turned it around and made the playoffs. I don't know about you, but I just don't like anything from what I've seen. I hated their offseason. Could you see them turning this around?
1: I think with their schedule for these first couple of weeks, it's been brutal, right? Maybe it's a little bit hard to judge with just considering they have to play the two best teams, probably in the entire NFL in Kansas city and Baltimore, and no surprise that they would lose to them because they're in a different tier. There's also got to be an adjustment period for not having uh, Hopkins. I mean, you're just, you go from relying so heavily, and I'll say this for the Vikings without digs too. You rely so heavily on one guy all the time. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, okay, we got three decent guys. Why don't you just use three decent guys instead of one great guy? Well, what we've seen from NFL history is one great guy can can really be good for you. You know, I mean, if it's uh, Randy Moss or Terrell Owens or Jerry Rice, like a, a lot of times, even if it's just the one guy who you're throwing to all the time, um, you could scheme ways for that guy to dominate rather than three players who are more along the lines of just average or just okay. And I, I think there's some adjustment needs to be made there. But if they lose this game, Vikings would be coming in at that point. I'm sure they would feel like they should win that game and start a turnaround, but I I think if they go to Pittsburgh and lose, then you're talking about getting way behind and that division is, as we talked about a little bit with Jacksonville, it's sort of sneaky, weird, uh, where you could kind of see it going all sorts of different ways, but if you fall down three games, four games, then you're talking about, you know, not being able to salvage that season, even as good as Deshaun Watson is, and I just just feel like they're doing such a disservice to Deshaun Watson in so many different ways. It's like, can he go back and maybe demand a trade? I don't know. It's, it's one of those teams and the Vikings feel a little bit this way too, where you look and you say, well, what's our, what's our path out of this? Like we're in a bad spot now, both this year and long-term, what's our path out of this? And I don't see it for either team, the clear cut, this, all you have to do is X, Y, and Z, and you're a Super Bowl contender. Both teams are big spenders, have made a lot of moves, and it's clearly just not good enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, I don't, I don't even want to go back to this, but the whole Hopkins trade is still not, I'm not fully understanding it. I understand that he wanted to get paid with three years left on his deal. And I know that they had to pay Tunsell and Watson and Cunningham and other players on that team, but we've seen teams make it work with the cap. And it feels like after two games, I know they've had to play some tough competition, but it's been hurting them really bad.
1: Right. You expected them to be in it though. You expected Mahomes Watson, Jackson Watson to be fun, to be interesting, to be good. And it's sort of... And I'm sorry for connecting everything to the Vikings, but, you know, that's the team I cover. And I I think of it the same way, though, that I think if you're a Houston Texans fan and your team lost by a total of 10 points in two weeks, you'd be like, well, tough start. But I mean, come on. Uh, Same with the Vikings that you'd be going, well, look, if you lost a couple of games, you had to go on the road. You had to play the Packers. Okay, fine. But to get killed, it gives you no confidence that there's anybody's going to wave a magic wand and then all of a sudden, all the problems are going to be fixed. Eventually, you get to the point when you start naming issues that your team has. If you get past like three your team's not going anywhere. It's right. If you get, well, we gotta, all we gotta do is fix this, 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 and this, and it'll be fine. I'm like, okay, you know, well, all right. You better look toward next year.
0: Exactly. It's the fashion, the way that they lost is what's annoying me. And the team that they have here this week, Pittsburgh, they're 2-0 and all off season long. I've said it. They are my dark horse Super Bowl team if Ben is healthy just because of that ridiculous defense that they have. Seeing them play so far after two games,
1: that's not that crazy. No, it's not. And if Cleveland isn't all that good, because I just think a lot about the one seed and your division and how much that means for where you end up in the playoffs, that recent history points us toward if you're going to go anywhere, you should probably have home playoff games. And the division just doesn't really look all that good if Cleveland's not that strong. I, I'm not buying into Baker Mayfield, uh, or at least two teams in the division are not strong. Baltimore obviously is, but if you can end up with a home playoff game, if you're somebody like Pittsburgh, you've got yourself a shot. Or if you can steal one against Baltimore, Baltimore's not going 16 and 0. So if you match up with them and and get one against them, and then you're in that race for the AFC, then you've got yourself a a chance. To To go be a Super Bowl team, and with the fact that I thought Roethlisberger would look awful to start the season, I thought, oh man, you know, coming back from that type of injury. Remember, uh, Peyton Manning had an injury at one point in his career—not the the late in his career, but I mean, even at his prime—and the first three games or so he was tremendously bad and then he gets it together and has a great season of course but um the fact that Roethlisberger has looked competent uh, if not good and their weapons have started to emerge and they all of a sudden look like they have receivers again in the post Antonio Brown era the thing though that I think they can't win a Super Bowl the offensive line really is beat up and they were already starting some guys that were pretty questionable and now it's just bad so if you get into a playoff uh, where you have to face two teams with elite defensive lines, that might be pretty tough for them. But yeah, I mean the fact that Cleveland still sort of looks like Cleveland and the Bengals aren't going to contend, you can put Baltimore or uh, I'm sorry, you can put Pittsburgh's name up there.
0: Yep. Um Zach Banner, Torres, ACL, David DeCastro has been banged up to start the year. But the thing about the Steelers and why I was all in on them is because You know, I obviously follow things pretty closely, but the way people were talking about Ben, sometimes you have to know if it's smoke, sometimes you have to know if it's real. I felt like it was coming from coaches, it was coming from players, it was coming from reporters, it was coming from trainers, coming from everywhere, that Ben is as fit as ever before, his elbow is fine, and he's going to come back, and he's going to go off. And I believed it. And after seeing him in two games, he really hasn't been bad. He's actually been pretty good, and I've, I'm honestly, I'm actually more impressed than what I was expecting.
1: Isn't it interesting that around the league, what you have is three tiers of quarterbacks? You have the olds who are still doing it like crazy good. And Roethlisberger has shown this for the first couple weeks. But even, I mean, Matt Ryan has even been good. And Brady and Breeze and Rodgers. So you have that tier of guys who are still at the very top of their game, even later into their careers. And then you have your cousins, Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, these middle guys that were still kind of going – wow what do you need to win and is it possible that you can find a way and then you know the younger guys that we're all not really sure about so it's it's interesting that it's still the same quarterbacks Tom Brady Ben Roethlisberger Aaron Rodgers that we have been talking about for what like your entire life it's it's felt like a very long time since uh since we were all in college or high school it's crazy how it's still that conversation and it would be fascinating to see if Baltimore and Pittsburgh ended up in something like an AFC championship and you have a legend versus you know an up-and-comer and things like that I, I don't think we'll be anywhere short on the storylines involving the Steelers as we go no. forward
0: no and honestly with the quarterbacks I kind of started to feel it this past year where Eli retired mm-hmm. and you know Philip Rivers switched teams and Tom Brady switched teams and is now you feel like he's getting a bit older now you're finally starting to feel it a little bit but you you know it's They've, it really feels like they've been playing forever, but you're starting to feel like the, the younger generation is finally coming in and taking over, and it's been fun to watch so far. The last game I want to talk about, we're talking about these young quarterbacks. It is the battle with the two, arguably the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. The marquee matchup of week three, it's Chiefs and Ravens on Monday Night Football, the top two seeds from last year. Let me just ask you like this. How do you see this playing out? And also, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think on Lamar Jackson's playing style and how he's developed in the NFL in such a short time because I don't really think anybody could have expected this.
1: Well, I just want to congratulate ESPN for having this game on Monday Night Football <laughs> after years of going. Uh, is ESPN going to get any good games from the NFL? Is there something going on there? Uh, good for them, and good for them getting a booth that's uh, listenable now. Yeah. Monday Night Football for this game. Well, with Lamar Jackson, and we all have our victories and we all have our losses when it comes to I called it or I didn't call it or I liked this guy or I didn't like this guy. So I thought Josh Rosen would be a lot better. But I also was obsessed with Lamar Jackson coming out of college because I just didn't understand the criticisms of the guys throwing no it was never perfect it was never Andrew Luck coming out of Stanford but he had accuracy in between the numbers he didn't have a very good team he played in a pro style offense uh in Louisville where he had to get through some reads before he ran and I just felt like it was your typical This guy is black and athletic, so he must not be a thrower. And Lamar proving people wrong continually and seeming to get even better at throwing the football, even from last year where he was absolutely tremendous. He's even exceeded my expectations as a thrower, but I always felt that there was something exceptional to Lamar Jackson as a person that drives him to be a great leader and to be even better than anybody thought he was going to be. And, you know, I I think I mean, they're my pick for the Super Bowl because I just think it's hard to go back to back for someone like Kansas City. I think that they'll win this game against Kansas City since KC showed some shortcomings on their offensive line against the Chargers. And I think that Baltimore overall is going to be the better team with Jackson. I mean, imagine like this guy is still so young, but starting to come into his prime as one of the maybe. I mean, we'll see how this goes, but he could be him and Mahomes, two of the best players to ever play. And uh, I think that already he's trending that way. And at very least a top three, most exciting player in the game. So I couldn't be much higher on Lamar Jackson. And I just another where the NFL, a lot of teams, you're going to have to kick yourself because you let tropes get in the way of actually analyzing him. You know, that's, People saying you should be a wide receiver. I mean, is there some rule that you could be too athletic? Imagine if we did this in basketball. I don't know that Jordan, he jumps too high. That's my problem with him. That's my issue. He's just, well, he's too athletic. He runs too fast. I, it's, I don't know. I never understood it, but I've been amazed by Lamar Jackson.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, it's, it's been amazing to watch. It sounds like you've been on it. from both these teams, are there any major concerns or holes that you see in them that maybe we should be looking at as the season goes on? Because they've just been so good over this last year plus. It's been incredible to watch. But anything concerning with any of them?
1: Well, I think with Kansas City, uh, their interior, their offensive line is a big problem. And we know that Mahomes could just roll out to his right and fling a ball 700 yards down the field and make a crazy play. But there are also – I mean, in the last couple of games for Kansas City, that has shown up, and he's had to overcome it. And can he do that every single week, even against maybe the best team in the NFL in Baltimore? I don't know. I think that there are some losses eventually coming. I saw today that Kansas City is – won 11 games in a row but there have been a lot of them even getting down to Tennessee where things have gone wrong and Mahomes has to play Superman eventually that doesn't show up not I could be wrong and he could do it again against Baltimore and win but they do have some shortcomings there is mileage on these guys bodies from going all the way to the Super Bowl last year I think that that does add up after a while when even with Patriots Tom Brady teams we didn't see them all go to the Super Bowl there were years where Uh, you know, some of that mileage got to them and they had injuries and so forth. I think that eventually that does add up. But, I mean, to me, these are the two teams that are just the premier teams in the NFL. And they don't have all that many weaknesses aside from that. The fact that Baltimore can just go out and add Calais Campbell, is like, okay, well, uh, you guys going for it or what? You know, I mean, so to be able to do that um, was really something for them. And I felt like they even got stronger from where they were last year. Uh, as a whole and, and even you know adding a, a playmaker in the draft that they can use um, it's rarely a great idea to draft a running back high but in their case it's like here's another person oh, who can why not be unstoppable with the football right why not when you are set at a lot of other positions so I, I think Baltimore is the strongest team in the league I don't think they have many weaknesses at all and Kansas City eventually will get got by some of theirs of course they're still a Super Bowl contender
0: Yep, and actually Chiefs open up this game as three and a half point underdogs, which I found to be very interesting. But first time they're underdogs in a while. But, you know, you actually mentioned Clay's Campbell getting him. I'm pretty sure there is a Vikings correlation there as well. If I'm not mistaken, that's the pick that was used to get Vedvik, if I'm not mistaken. Corey Vedvik,
1: yes. The... Uh... <laughs> One of my favorite stories to ever follow was Corey Vedvik showing up for his first day at training camp, and we were in the dog days of training camp. So we all watched Cory Vedvik's entire practice that day. Um, just you know, marveling at the fact that they brought in someone who had never really kicked before after trading a draft pick and yeah, that turned into Calais Campbell because the Jaguars just give away their players.
0: All right. So there's one more thing that we could twist into the Vikings as (laughs) well.
1: Right. Yeah. It's a good one.
0: Uh, All right. Very good. Matt, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast here this week. Everyone can of course go check you out at your work at purpleinsider.com and the purple insider podcast. You're always putting out some tremendous content all the time. I see on Twitter, there's new stuff coming out. It's like a machine i it's amazing i have so much respect for the work that you do matt thanks for coming on
1: i really appreciate that i can't be the only one out there with no other hobbies during covid life so i think that's probably the most reasonable explanation but i appreciate you having me on
0: special thanks to matthew collar for coming on the podcast this week you know the thing about matthew which i really love is that yes he covers the vikings but he knows the nfl inside and out And that's why, especially for a week which had so much going on, having him on was the perfect guest to recap all of it and to look ahead to what we have coming up. As we get ready for week three, go give him a follow on Twitter. If you don't, it is at Matthew Collar. That does it here for this week's My Sports Update Football Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for downloading. I really, really appreciate it. As always, make sure you're following the My Sports Update Twitter page. Have notifications on so you get all the updates around the NFL instant notifications on what is happening around the national football league also if you have not done so yet please make sure to rate review and subscribe to this podcast by you doing something that small other nfl fans just like you will be able to find this podcast and listen to it as well i am your host ari mayrov i'll be back for another episode next week with another special guest as we look ahead to week four and recap week three Until then, have a great rest of your week. Stay safe and enjoy week three of the NFL season.
1: This is Greg Olson inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1